The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Swing and a high fly ball. Right field and deep. Geyer to the wall. Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. D-Man Toy with a two-run walk-off home run. The Rays winning ways here at Tropicana Field continue. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. On the lineup, he pitches. Adamas launches one way up into the air in the left field. This one's got a chance. Turning Benintendi, Willie Adamas. With his first big league hit, it's a home run against Chris Sale. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good morning. Welcome to our latest show. Today we'll chat with Austin Meadows about his fast start and his thumb injury. Mark Topkin will join us from Baltimore. Ronaldo Ruiz helps us review the Rays affiliate in Bowling Green. Plus, you'll meet Mike Brasso in Durham, and I'll discuss the NL West with Mike Farron of the Diamondbacks and Sirius XM. We continue on This Week in Rays Baseball, and our feature guest this week is Austin Meadows. And Austin, we appreciate you joining us. First of all, how much of a sigh of relief are you still breathing after um, the injury you had? That Obviously, bad enough to put you on the injured list, but not bad enough that anything surgically was required. Yeah, it definitely could have been worse. Luckily, we came out okay, you know, just with a sprain. Um, so hopefully just going to rehab this for the next 10 days to two weeks and kind of see where we're at. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge relief. You know, anytime you think of the word surgery, it's a scary thing. So, But being able not to not to have to do that is definitely big. I think you play next to Kevin Kiermeyer in the outfield, and I think you guys probably have some similarities in the fact that you guys have had your fair share of injuries. Does it kind of come with the types of players you are? You're similar in some regard. I think so. I mean, I think if you play the, you know, you play the game aggressively, you play the game hard, some freak things can happen, you know. So there's some things you can't really control in this game. You know, let me obviously slide into third and, jamming my thumb or you know last year getting my thumb hit and just there's just free things that happen in this game that you got to kind of understand and you kind of got to just roll with the punches and kind of you know come back stronger so yeah I mean you know me and Kevin we play the game hard and things will things are going to happen but hopefully um you know things that happen aren't too long of a too long of an injury stint so the passion with which you play where does that come from I know your mom and your dad were both what Division One athletes, right? Which who's got that that kind of drive? The passioners are both of them. Yeah, I mean both of them, you know, pushing me to be the best I can be growing up. You know, having that background of my family, you know, uh, my mom and dad playing in the you know in college and Division One athletes. So, um, you know, having them uh, push me to be the best I could be growing up. I feel like I've always you know had that passion. You know, I think that comes from them for sure. Now your mom played softball. Your dad was baseball and football, and basketball. So, so was there ever a choice for you that you were to make between baseball and everything else? I know obviously you excelled as a, a former first-round pick. You know, baseball was my first sport. I, I played that. My dad got me out in the backyard at like two or three years old. So that was my first my first passion, and that's kind of always stuck with me. Um, you know, after that, that kind of put me in every every sport I could play. That's kind of I just kind of played everything, whether it was soccer to basketball to football to kind of anything. So. Me being able to realize, you know, at a young age, kind of what I wanted to do, um, and you know, and obviously I stopped playing football um, my junior year of high school, and that's when I just kind of stuck to baseball and kind of knew that that was going to be my future. And you grew up in, in Georgia, in the Atlanta area, right? So were you always a Braves fan? Would you who'd you grow up on? Who'd you admire? The Braves for sure. Um, I always went to 
whether it was Gwinnett Braves, the AAA games, or the you know the big league games in Atlanta, um, at Old Turner Field. I went all the time watching Chipper Jones, um, you know Jason Hayward when he was there, Freddie Freeman, all those guys that I, I uh, kind of grew up watching, especially Chipper Jones. He's my favorite player, so be a big Braves fan for sure. Did you ever get to meet him at any point, be it at a spring training or otherwise? The only time I came close to meeting him was spring training last year with Pittsburgh. We played the Braves in Orlando, and he was, I think he works in the front office now, so he, I was able to get a signature, a signed ball from him. I kind of told the clubby, hey, or I asked the clubby, hey, can I, any way I can get an autograph from Chipper, and next thing you know, it's in my locker. So that was that was pretty cool. Did you grow up going, I mean, some guys, when they've gone to games as a kid, they got down close to the field. Were you an upper deck guy? What do you? What are your best memories, and is there a game that sticks out of games you went to as a kid? I was never really close. You know, I always went to, I was always kind of an upper deck, just kind of just fan, you know, my parents or my grandparents, we would go, and my brother and my friends. Um, I remember, I think it was Chipper Jones, I don't know if this was his last game or, something we went to and there was you know 10 card in the outfield and it was just a huge ordeal uh, we were up in right field upper deck but um and i also went to steven strauss it's not for the braves but i went to steven strauss for his debut against the braves and i think he he shoved so but uh just, just cool things i remember you've had some obviously good moments as a big leaguer is there one that stands out to you to this point and if so what <sighs> i think i think opening day was cool here man um even though we didn't come out with a win i think being able to hit the homer off of Verlander—that's pretty cool. Uh, that's something that's gonna—I'll always remember opening day. You know, that's a big thing in itself. But being able to do that in the first inning was cool. Um, but you know, I think just the fun that we have sticks out. I mean, we have so much fun out there. Whether it goes from the coaching staff or the my teammates, we just—it's just fun to come to the ballpark every day. And that's that's what you strive for as a player. It's a long season, but being able to come each, each and every day and have fun is, is what's important. Watching you play before the injury, and again, we're chatting with Austin Meadows in this week in race baseball, you were playing so well. Is that the best you've played, whether it's minors or majors? And if so, what was, if it wasn't, what, what was better? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely at the top of the list. Um, you know, things were rolling for me. I felt like I was making good adjustments up there at the plate. You know, I, I, I just, I felt good, you know, and injuries happen, but for me, it's just being able to try to come back stronger and continue that streak that I was on and trying to help the team, and that's the biggest thing. But, yeah, you know, I've had some streaks before. Um, last year in the minor leagues when, you know, I had the three home runs in Charlotte um, with Durham, and that was that was pretty cool kind of on that hot streak when I got traded over and went to AAA with, in, in Durham and kind of just was on fire there. But, you know, you that's part of the game. You have hot streaks, you have uh, low points, but being able to ride those hot streaks as much as you can is important. How different does it feel? Because the average fan has no idea what it feels like to be up there and be facing guys and have the game slow. I would assume it slows down even more for you when you're going well. Yeah, it does. I mean, you know, it's the game comes easy, and that and that's always a good thing. <laughs> um, you know, the game comes easy. You see, you feel like the ball is, you know, two times bigger than it is, and you're able, you're able to see balls and you're able to spit on ball. It's just. You just go through these um, streaks that are – it's a lot of fun to go out there and play. And, and then once you hit the low, the low points and you start struggling, that's what makes guys the, as good as they are. They don't struggle too long. You know, they, they figure out, they make adjustments in this game. And um, But, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's fun. It, it just feels easy. And that's that's uh, 
we all wish it felt easy all the time. <laughs> no doubt. Certainly, it helps to be relaxed. And you were told before the year started, hey, you're going to have the opportunity to play at the big leagues. How much has that helped? And if that isn't the primary reason why you think you're succeeding, what are some of, of, some of the other reasons? Yeah, it helped for sure. Cash calling me this offseason, um, kind of telling me, you know, I was going to be on the team and just mentally that, I mean, that, that helps a lot. It takes a load off of you and it takes a lot of pressure off of you just knowing that, you know, you're going to, you're going to have a spot on the team and just, um, try to get yourself ready for a big league season and mentally prepare. And, um, that definitely takes a load off you, but yeah, I mean, I think that there's certain things that like going back to having fun and just staying relaxed and, and having a really, really good team. I mean, I think it just, it's just a lot of fun to show up to the ballpark every day. And I think, you know, the clubhouse and just having fun, I think that that translates on the field and just helps you stay relaxed. And when you're relaxed, I feel like that's when you're at your best. Who are guys in this clubhouse who've been particularly helpful, be they players or coaches? There's a lot of guys, man. <laughs> we have a lot of fun. Um, anywhere from, you know, KK with his leadership and just how he keeps us, you know, keeps us going. And, and anywhere from him to, you know, the coaching staff from Cash to Ozzy to, to Chad. We, we just have a lot of fun, man. And it's it's from the top and um you know i think that that starts with our front office as well and just we just kind of go out there we have fun and, and it's just contagious how about being married i mean you got congratulations i know you got married to alexis this off season so how much does that help the off-field balance that you have it helps for sure um being able to come home each and every night to my wife and um we have our dog as well you know <laughs> melee but but yeah, just having a family and, and, you know, being married, I think that, that you know, that's a huge step. I mean, that's a huge step in life in general. Um, and, and being able to come home to her each and every night um, is definitely definitely awesome, whether it's a good game or a bad game. It kind of puts things into perspective. Certainly helps. Again, we're chatting with Austin Meadows on This Week in Race Baseball. Is she competitive like you? I know chatting with uh, Brandon Lau about Madison, she's very competitive. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of curious what your relationship is like. She played basketball in high school, so she she understands the competitiveness. She's learning everyday baseball. She she comes to every game. She sits with the wives. She watches. I'm not sure how much she watches, but she watches when I'm up, when I'm hitting, when I'm doing something. Um, so that's always good. Yeah, I think she is. You know, she's always there for me. You know, we don't talk much baseball, which is good. I feel like I kind of leave all the baseball talk at the field, and then when I'm home with her, I just kind of we just kind of live our life. No, what I know you like to fish too. Does she like to fish with you, or or is that kind of your your alone time thing? <laughs> she will not touch a fish <laughs> or eat any type of seafood or fish. Um, so she will fish with me every now and then, but she kind of lets me do my thing. You know, I'll I'll just be like, let's go on a walk, and you know, she'll take the dog, but I'll have the pole in my hand and I'll go fishing. So it's kind of my own thing. Um, but she'll go out on the boat with me back home and stuff like that. So she'll be there. Are you a guy who enjoys what deep sea, freshwater, saltwater? What what is your favorite kind of fishing? Man, I like it all. I think <laughs> I think um, I'm really starting to get into saltwater fishing now that we're down here and we we're renting a house down here, so we live close to the water, and that's kind of I just kind of enjoy just having a pole in my hand, whether it's freshwater, saltwater, whatever. I'm um, just going out and just relaxing, man. It's uh it's definitely what I what I love to do. Biggest catch. Biggest catch is probably a tarpon. I caught almost a 100-pound tarpon uh, three or four years ago in the summer. More exhausting pulling that tarpon in or having it hit against Verlander? <laughs> <laughs> it's exhausting. It's, an hour, it's a, at least an hour fight of pulling a huge fish in. But once you get it in, it is just as fun as it is hitting a home run off Verlander. I'll tell you that. <laughs> photos, too? Yeah, I got photos for sure on Instagram. 
And people obviously can find you. So Austin Meadows 13, is that or is that you? Austin Meadows 13. I haven't been on an NA in a long time. <laughs> uh, I stay away from the social media during the season, but um, it's, it should be on there. <laughs> We've touched on your family, and I want to make sure that we mention your younger brother, Parker, yeah. who I know that the day you hit a homer this year, he had an inside-the-park home run. Yeah. What, what was that like? That was cool. It always seems like when I do something, you know, he's he's doing something on the other end. So he, uh, I'm excited for him. He's, you know, in West Michigan right now. Um, that cold weather is not always fun to hit in, but I think, you know, he's going to – he kind of understands. I'm, I'm excited for him to get his first full season in. Pretty pretty cool, you know, um, having a brother that plays, you know, professional ball as well. So I know my parents are proud, and that's a tribute to my parents, um, you know, pushing us growing up. But I'm going to continue to follow Parker. I know that he's got a definitely a very, very bright future ahead of him. Four and a half years apart, so how close are the two of you, and do you have other brothers and sisters? He's the only, he's the only sibling, but yeah, we're, we're close, man. Um, I think, you know, me going through the minor leagues, it, it really helps him kind of understand, you know, what to, what to expect and stuff like that, so I'm always there for him. But yeah, I mean, we, we've always grown up being competitive, whether it's playing ping pong in the basement, shooting pool, or playing basketball, pick up basketball or anything. So we've always had that competitive drive, and I think that that's what helps us, you know, um, helps us in our career. Are you a teasing big brother or are you a, a pushing? What kind of big brother are you? First of all, it's a little teasing, but now, you know, obviously we're getting older, so um, I'm always pushing him to be the best he can be. I'm trying to give him as much advice as I can and, and be a, the big brother, the best big brother I can be. But, you know, growing up, you know, we obviously, brothers fight, so <laughs> we always had always had some fights going on. But, I, but now, you know, we're growing up, we're realizing, um, you know, how – how we're getting older, so I'm just always there for him. And he is bigger than you right now, right? He is bigger than him. <laughs> I, he could maybe take me in a fight, honestly. So I don't even try. <laughs> Did you? Were you hoping that when he was drafted, he would be drafted by the same organization? Are you kind of happy that you're in different organizations and can watch from afar? It's a good question. You know, I think it is a it is a blessing. I think that we're you know in different organizations and and um, you know we're kind of watching from afar and. You know, it obviously, it would be cool to play with your brother. You know, obviously, like with the BJ with Upton, the Upton brothers when they play together with the Braves. I think that that that's definitely pretty cool. But um, for him, I'm excited for him to be with you know with the Tigers. I think that he's got a really really good opportunity ahead of him. So it's going to be fun. Well, hopefully, there's a day soon where the two of you are able to play against one another on the big league on a big league field. Have you guys ever played in any game on the same field at any point? No. Other no. than a family <laughs> picnic, maybe. Yeah, a family picnic, a little pickup game in the backyard. But no, that would definitely uh, definitely be something really, really, really special. So hopefully, one day it'll happen. Well, hopefully that day isn't too far and away. And more than that, even closer to that is you being back on the field with the Rays. We appreciate some time on this week in Rays baseball. All right, thanks for having me. That's Austin Meadows. We'll continue in just a moment. This is the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on this week in Rays Baseball. Time to discuss the week gone by. Joining us now from Baltimore is Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Topper, you want to start with your best Jim Cantori and uh, give us the weather? (laughs) (laughs) Neil, you're always so clever. Thank you. Um, It's cloudy. It's been raining most of the night. It rained most of the morning. It stopped now. There's 10,000 baseball and softball kids here, so they're definitely trying to uh, make it worth their while. They had a little on-field parade. You would have looked very cute out there leading it. Uh, and, and I think the general sense in here is that they are going to start the game. It does not look necessarily great for the next three or four hours, kind of an on-and-off rain. So the trop's going to look really good tomorrow after this road trip, Neil, really good. <laughs> you know, this is uh, my eighth season. You've been doing this since the beginning. I can't recall a trip with more rain in every city than this one. How about you? 
No, it would. Uh, we've certainly had some colder ones, and there was snow the first couple stops, or the second two stops, I should say, on the first trip this year. But just to be uh, operating under the threat of rain, and I know they're professional players, and they need to be ready to, to do all situations and professional coaches and managers and all that. But it just kind of puts you in a weird mode. I mean, I think, you know, Dave and Andy would say the same if they weren't crushing the buffet right now. And, <laughs> um, you know, you just, you're, you're either in game mode or you're not in game mode, and to be in between is a little weird. And, you know, even myself, just what prep I'm doing, if there's going to be a game or not be a game, and if I'm going to make my flight or not tonight, and those kind of things. So it just kind of creates a little uneasiness over everybody. How important is this game, assuming they get it in, Mark? I mean, they had a, it's a winning road trip, but there, at least on paper, looks to be a fairly sizable difference between six and three and five and four. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a little bit uh, subject to debate and perspective um, because I, I do think that some people, you know, do kind of see it as, you know, these are teams they need to beat and they should be able to beat these teams, whether it's sweep them or, or certainly take two out of three and. And there's some other people that you know, view it in the perspective of the long season, and you know it's not that big a deal. But I, I think knowing what's ahead with the schedule, Neil, and who they play, and how many games they have to play, and all that kind of stuff coming up, you've got to beat the teams that you know are down. And the Royals and Orioles are the two worst teams in the American League record-wise, and the Rays only split against the Royals. And you know if they were to lose today's game, they would lose a series to the Orioles. I think that is something that you know should be on their mind. You've you've updated kind of the injuries. Matt Duffy's uh, going to have another rehab game today in Port Charlotte, and Austin Meadows may be in a short rehab this week, and, and obviously Joey Wendell's out for a bit. Are we starting to see the signs of this lineup, maybe missing them a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly been some guys that have gone cold, and, you know, Robertson and Adamas really haven't had much uh, to show for the season. Adamas had a little bit of a hot stretch there, but... Uh, Yandy Diaz is in a little bit of a funk right now. Avisel Garcia you know, may be coming out of it. Um, you know, Brandon Lowe, Brandon Lau has been doing well. He did not get a hit. He did get a hit last night. Nate Lowe did not get a hit. So I do think, though, you're seeing some signs. Zanino was cooled off. Then he hit the home the other night. So you're, you're seeing some ebb and flow there and, you know, certainly missing those two left-handed bats when they face mostly right-handed pitchers is an issue. I mean, I know that bringing Nate Lowe up, part of the theory was to, to do that, and he hasn't really done a lot. He's hit some singles. He hasn't really you know, driven the ball as he is known to and certainly wants to. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, you, you wrote a lot in the, the Times today just about Nate and also Brandon and really the fact that these are homegrown players and the importance of the race having position players uh, that they're able to groom via the draft. Yeah, I mean, look, Neil, you know the farm system probably better, maybe even better than Mitch Lukovic's. I mean, it's better than anybody. And, you know, I, I think the importance the Rays put on it, they made some changes both personnel-wise and, and in their philosophy and process as far as the draft and scouting and all that stuff a few years ago. I think they're seeing it pay off. It was important. You know, they produced a lot of pitchers over the years. And, you know, you can go back to Shields and Cobb and Matt Moore and Hellickson, you know, drafted, signed, developed, got these guys to the big leagues. They had success. But, the number of position players, impact position players, has been pretty small. I mean, Longoria, Kiermaier, but really he's known more obviously for his defense. And then, you know, Desmond Jennings kind of maybe sort of. And, and that's really about the list of impact position players. So I think it was important. They do seem to be moving these guys a little bit quicker. I know I talked to Eric Neander. He said it wasn't a philosophical change. It was more just case-by-case basis. But to get Brandon... Allow up here to get Nate Lowe up here, guys that were drafted in 2015 and 2016. They do seem to be accelerating the process, and you know, if the players can do it, why not? And obviously they've had a lot more success lately, I think, with uh, some of the trades they've made in finding guys who are either close to Major League ready or at Major League ready, and certainly right now Tyler Glass now has to top the list. Uh, you touched on that a couple days ago in the Times, just about how he's uh, – it really looks like he's growing into an ace. I mean, this is his breakout year perhaps. 
Yeah, I mean, it certainly has the makings of that and, you know, whatever 20% or so into the season to this point and the seven starts he's made to be 6-0 and to have a 1.47 ERA and, and how he's done it, not just the results, but just showing this this dominating ability, this, this constant readiness. You know, he doesn't seem to take a pitch off, certainly not an inning off, not a start off. You really see the focus. You see the aggressiveness. He talked about the change in mindset. He, I thought he had an interesting comment the other night after the game where he said part of that routine is, is kind of getting angry on the day he pitches and that, that anger is kind of the, the offset to fear and that he uses that to his advantage as well. But you just see a guy who's got tremendous physical tools. The Rays did a really good job when they got him. The Pirates had kind of given up on him. They'd put him in the bullpen. They kind of cast him aside to a degree. And the Rays said, come here, be a starter. We're going to give you some run here to do at the end of the season. Let's get you comfortable. And then – he had the absolute worst spring training ever. I mean, he made a great argument for the people that say don't ever worry about spring training stats with no wins, 0-5, and, and a 10-something ERA, and then he comes out here, and he's just been dominant. So I, I think you are seeing a guy come into his own. Now the next question, of course, is going to be consistency. I mean, obviously, besides health, that's the next biggest challenge for a young pitcher is to be able to do it, not not necessarily 30 or 33 times. Well, he'd probably only get 30 or so, but to do it most of those times. He hasn't had an off one yet. When he does, how will he bounce back? Yes, um, and Blake Snell, looking for him to bounce back tomorrow, really, he's had his toughest stretch. He has, and talking to Blake a few minutes ago, actually, uh, and he, he said to say hi to you, by the way, Neil, but yep. he um, he seems very confident. He said that, you know, he, he looked at the tape, there are some changes he can make or has made to his delivery to make more consistent, didn't want to reveal what they were. Uh, it's a little bit of an interesting matchup, a team he's not all that familiar with, besides Adam Jones and uh, Eduardo Escobar, there's, I think, maybe one or two other players who have a couple of bats against him in that lineup, so there being a couple of American League guys over there. But it's a hot team. You tell Marte with nine homers going into play today. So it's going to be a little bit of a challenge for him, a little bit of an unknown. I think usually that's going to favor the pitcher if they're not familiar with him, especially with the stuff Blake has if he's on. And I know he's getting tired, and, and Kevin Cash is getting tired of the question about the toe and you know how is he feeling. But I think until he pitches well, those questions are going to linger. Mark, good stuff. Hopefully they get it in and you make your flight. Thanks again for a few minutes. If not, I'm going to ask for the Neil Solon's charter to get me tonight, okay? Can you send your plane? Yes, I'll do what I can. That's Mark Topkin of Tampa Bay Times. Before we continue, let's pause for station identification on the Rays Baseball Network. WTAE St. Petersburg, WBTP HD3 Clearwater, W224BE Brandon, and W237CW Pinellas Park. Well, we continue on this week in race baseball and time to take a look at things on the minor league side. And join me is the manager of the Bowling Green Hot Rods, Ronaldo Ruiz. Ronaldo, thanks very much for a few minutes. Uh, thanks, Neil. Thanks for having me. You guys are off to a very good start. What have you liked most about your group so far this season? I think the way they play the game, they play the, way, the, the game hard. You know, they uh, uh, pay attention to little details. We, we have many ways to score runs and also the, the starting pitcher is doing a really good job. You know, I, I think obviously most of the attention for your group is uh, a guy who you could argue is the best prospect now in baseball with uh, some of the top guys above him called up in Wander Franco. You've got to uh, manage a lot of kids. You've only had him for a month, but what have you thought? Well, I'll tell you what, this, this kid is special. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's amazing that he's only 18 years old and the way he plays the game, the confidence, and, and, you know, all the, the tools and abilities this kid has is amazing. It's it's been fun to have him in the lineup, and it's been fun to, to see him play. What has stood out the most about his skill set, and how has he been? I know you you obviously there's still a lot to learn at this age too. Well, I think the, 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 he can hit for for power, he can hit for average, and to me that's that's impressive at, at such, such a young age. And also, uh, he he has a plus speed, 
and uh, so he can he can get on base uh, many ways, and also he can steal bases. He can hit for power. So it's amazing, it's impressive. And how has he been in terms of just picking up and learning the game? Um, well, obviously, there's a lot of he's still only 18. I think we forget sometimes. Yeah, well, I tell you what, I think he's been he's been great. He's, he's a, a quick learner. Um, uh, we go over uh, situation, uh, uh, game situation, and he, he pick he pick it up real quick. We made a mistake the next day, or the next time he's, he's you know he's he's uh, ready for that play and he executed the right way. You've got a couple other guys who are excelling too. Uh, one of them is a, a college kid who was in the GCL last year and really has come on in Kaleo Johnson. What what have you liked about Kaleo? That kid is uh, um, has some power, some towering power. It's amazing the way it's fun to watch him not, not only take BP in a game too. Those swings are you know you know very violent swings and and uh, now he's uh, uh, making good contact. So um, it's impressive. He's uh, uh, he's a strong kid, tall kid, and, 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 and every time he, he hits the ball, the ball uh, jumps uh, out of the bat. Yeah. And he's not the only college kid you have who's playing well. Ford Proctor is one that I, I think stands out to me. Yeah, Proctor's been doing a really good job. He's playing second base, shortstop. He's been playing multiple positions, trying to get him to uh, get used to play multiple positions. He's learning uh, all those positions, and also uh, uh, offensively, he's He's a solid kid. He don't, doesn't try to do too much. He's uh, uh, he competes. He, you know, he puts the ball in play. He get in in, in, in deep counts, and uh, he's doing a really good job for us. I want to touch on your pitching staff, but I want to hit on the catchers first. Um, you've got two kids, uh, one in Chris Betts, who is coming off injury and is and is starting to play regularly, and the other one is uh, Roberto Alvarez, who I think had a really nice year last year in Princeton. Yeah, Chris Betts has been doing a really good job. He's uh, healthy right now he's uh, uh playing uh, more often and he's uh, doing a really good job behind the play he can receive him framing uh, uh and do all the um all the catches uh nowadays uh, uh doing you know especially with the framing the receiving and also he can he can hit for power now he's uh, he got four home runs uh 14 rbi he's uh, uh his batting average is not that good but uh, uh every time he um you know we run in scoring position he does a really good job and Roberto Alvarez, very young, he's learning, and he's doing a really good job. He's, he's swinging about really good. Um, he's, I think he's hitting 280, and uh, he's got uh, 10 RBI. He's doing a really good job behind the plate. He's learning. I think uh, we've been working on his throwing. But other than that, he's been doing a really good job. He's been blocking and receiving well. And they've been working with a really talented pitching staff. You had a kid the other night in Caleb Sampin who I think we had seven – one hit innings, and he did it in a very, very efficient period of time. What stood out about him? Well, he's uh, you know, he's simple mechanic. He's uh, you know, he go after hitters, he attack hitters, and and uh, his command has been really good lately. And uh, it was fun to watch him pitch uh, uh, the other night uh, when he went seven innings. He only allowed one one run, one uh, hit. Sorry, um, and he did a great job. He you know, it was really fun to watch him, and he's so confident on the on the mound. And uh, uh, his command, to me, his command, simple, simple, simple mechanic. He repeat his mechanic real, real well. And, and like I said, the command of all his pitches is being really good. And he's one of two guys that um, is new to the organization on the, your club through trade. The other one is Michael Plasmeyer, who also has put up phenomenal numbers so far this year. You no, know, Plasmeyer has been doing a really good job. He's amazing. This, I mean, he doesn't have that, you know, that 
uh, across uh, speed, you know, velocity, but but he's commanded off the chart. And uh, he can command all his pitches. For, I mean, he's amazing the way he is. Very smart kid, too. He's very intelligent on the mound. He, he's status hitter. He's, uh, he's very uh, uh, meticulous with his mechanic and with his command and his, with, with his work. He's, uh, he's very mature for his age, and, and he's, uh, he's done a really good job for us. Your rotation is kind of a mix of some guys that, uh, you know, I mentioned you, the Rays traded for. Um, but also some guys who are college picks. Shane McClanahan was a top pick last year. I know he's been a little up and down, but what have you thought of his first month? So far, his uh, last outing was, was was very encouraging because um, he slow, starts to slow things down, and you know he got a great great stop. He, he can throw ninety seven left left handed pitcher who throws ninety seven, uh, and also he has a uh, a sharp uh, curveball. So. You know, it was fun to watch him last time. He, especially last couple of innings, he, he, you know, we were very encouraged the way he threw the last uh, last time he hit pitch, and hopefully he uh, continues pitching the, the same way. But again, uh, his stuff is great. He, he throws 97 from from the left side, and also the the curveball and the changeup is pretty good too. So um, we're just waiting for him to, you know, to start things down, which he did last time. Hopefully he can continue and start pitching better. Joe Ryan is a guy who, for him, it, it slowed down a couple times this year. I know he had a 13-strikeout game. Uh, what have you thought of, of the way that he's played? Well, he's, uh, he's, he's impressive, too. He's uh, it's a kid who throws 97, easy 97. He doesn't, he's effortless. He got a really sharp curveball. He's uh, you know, a 12-6 uh, curveball around 82, 81. He's impressive, and his command was really good last time. And he, and he was fun to watch him. And he throw he, he, you know, he fooled all those hitters uh, with that curveball. And then when he goes with the uh, 97, uh, it, it was fun to watch him. Sounds like you've got a really good group this year. I uh, wish you a, a lot of success. I'm sure we'll be talking to you plenty. And thanks for coming on this week in race baseball. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for having me is Ronaldo Ruiz of the Bowling Green Hot Rods. They interplay today in first place in their division. They are 17-12. and 12. And coming up on this week in race baseball, Durham's Mike Brasso plus Mike Farron of SiriusXM and the Arizona Diamondbacks on the surprising team in the NL West. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network. Well, we continue on this week in race baseball. And time to take a look on the minor league side. And the race have such a deep system that I think there are probably a lot of guys who fly a little bit what I would call under the radar. And one of those guys just joins me right now from the Durham Bulls, and that is Mike Brasso. Mike, thanks very much for a few minutes. Hey, thanks, Neil. Thanks for having me. First of all, this is your first season at the AAA level, so tell me what it's meant for you to get to that level and get to AAA. Yeah, obviously it's, um, it's, it's a good feeling to be uh, you know, near the ultimate goal. Um, obviously we're not there yet, but uh, AAA is a good start to you there. It's, uh, it's a good group of guys, so it's obviously making the transition a lot smoother. But uh, the, the level of competition is fantastic. It's, uh, it's a real eye-opener to see what you need to work on to get to that, uh, like I said, that next level, the ultimate goal. What's the biggest change in the first month in AAA that you've noticed? Uh, I think, you know, there's just so many, uh, there's so many guys that, uh, that have that big league experience time where, you know, at the lower levels you, you don't really uh, get the chance to compete against current big leaguers, uh, rehab guys, things of that sort. There's, you know, every time you walk around the, uh, the stadium on game day, you're seeing, you know, 10, 15 guys both on your team and the opposing team's uh, teams that, uh, you know, have that big league experience. And uh, I 
think it's just uh, a good thing for me to kind of see how they go about their business and kind of what it takes to get to that uh, that next level. How about, the? I mean, the one big change that is obvious is the fact that you guys are using major league balls. Uh, how big a change has that been for you? Because, I mean, I've seen the offensive numbers in the International League, and they are way up from a year ago. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, the big league balls, uh, obviously, they're making a difference in that power number. You know, I think I think it's a good decision just because there's so many guys, especially you know, with organizations, you know, moving guys around from the AAA to big league level, it makes that transition a lot easier. Um, but you're you're right. I mean, the balls make a difference. They got that extra, you know, 10, 15 feet of carry, which uh, you know, if you're a hitter like myself, you're not going to complain about. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, the the balls are are a little bit of a change. Do you have to uh, avoid getting in any bad habits? Because I'm sure it's natural to try and lift a ball when you know that it's going to carry 10, 15 feet further, to make sure you don't alter your swing. Yeah, that's a that's a huge thing. I think necessarily for me as well. Uh, I I've never really been that uh, that that big you know, launch angle, try to drive the ball in the air kind of hitter. Um, so yeah, you definitely got to take a step back and kind of realize what kind of hitter and what kind of player you actually still are and don't let the balls kind of deter you away from where uh from what got you to where you're at right now obviously your results have been very good i mean a better part of the first month you've been close to a 900 ops what do you think you've done well so far that's allowed you to have some success yeah i think it's just uh uh confidence you know thinking i belong here uh, i think that kind of sh- i struggled with that last year in double a where uh, you know i was trying to prove to a lot of people that you know, I did belong there, so I was trying to do that extra too much at the plate, um, and that got me in trouble last year. So I think I learned from that experience, and uh, you know, I trusted the Rays' decision, and you know, believing in me that I belong here. So now I got to have that self confidence. I think that pays off. I think confidence is a huge thing when you step in that box, and it shows uh, with the numbers. Is that natural to have that, you know, feeling of trying to belong in part because, I mean, for people who don't know your story, you were not a drafted guy. You were an undrafted free agent. I mean, you've obviously beaten a lot of odds and probably carry a bit of a chip on your shoulder. How much of that you kind of have to balance, say, using it as motivation uh, between that and not trying to do too much? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the uh, that title, you know, as much as I probably don't want that title follow me around in my career that that non-drafted guy is going to be what people label me as for the rest of my career so that that comes with the, the job that uh that does carry the chip on the shoulder for sure but at the same time i, I gotta realize you know uh the results have gotten me where i am right now and i gotta have that confidence like i said to uh, to go perform like i know i can and like I know the Rays think I can. How much has it helped too in your first season in AAA that you have the same manager you had in AA and Brady Williams? He was promoted this year. Just the comfort level of knowing what to expect day to day from your manager. Right, that's huge. That's a big comfort level booster uh, for sure. He's really made the the whole transition from AA to AAA a lot smoother. And same thing with the guys. I, I mean, I've obviously met a lot of the guys throughout spring training. Played with a few of them last year in AA, so. That whole experience, uh, that whole um, the met the new manager promotion for Brady, you know, it, it's really helped me out a lot. Um, I kind of got a full grasp of how he wor- works and runs a team last year, so um, you know, I kind of have a good expectation of what to uh, go in and day day in and day out with. 
Now, I know you've played uh, first base, second base, third base in the, in the past. You've played probably, what, a little more first this past week, too, with Nate Lowe getting promoted? Where do you feel most comfortable? Yeah, um, I feel probably most comfortable at uh, third base um, just because I've gotten more reps there throughout my career. Obviously, I've gotten enough reps at first base and second base the last couple of years in A-ball and double-A to feel comfortable in the game. But, uh, yeah, like you said, obviously with Nate getting promoted and, uh, you know, I'm going to have to fill in for him as he's up there right now, which I got no problem with. Um, <laughs> you know, I got I, I talked to Brady about it before. and As long as I'm in the lineup, I'm happy. I want to do what I can to uh, win that day for the team. So if they need me at first base, so be it. If they need me at third, second, I'll move along there, even if that means a little mid-game switch like the Rays like to do sometimes. I got no problem with it. Any chance you'll learn the outfield, too, and become kind of that all-over guy? I knew you grew up, what, as a shortstop at, at Oakland uh, in Michigan? Uh, I was a shortstop in, in, uh, in college, yeah. I actually uh, I played one game in left field so far, so they're, they're working me in pregame, getting my reps in for pregame in left field, and I got a, a start and a game played uh, last week, I believe. And uh, talking to Brady recently, it sounds like I'll uh, get more reps out there in left field, too. So, yeah, a little bit more uh, just adding another glove to the bag, it sounds like. Well, make it more versatile. You know, I mentioned you, you grew up in the Midwest. Because you guys have um, recently had the, what, the, the Columbus trip, did your family get to see you? And is that probably the closest since the Midwest League that they've had a chance to come watch you? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it was actually a great trip for them. They came down to, uh, we played Louisville mm-hmm. and then Columbus afterwards. So they came down to Louisville, stayed there for the, the three-game series, and then followed us up to Columbus. So I got to spend a good week with them, which was uh, fantastic. I haven't seen them since, what, late January, since I left for spring training. So it was uh, that was a great, great trip for them. They're going to come down to Indianapolis as well, which isn't too far. Um They'll make the Toledo trip. So, it, yeah, it's, uh, when we go up there, they, they're definitely working around their work schedule to get those days off to come see you play, which is nice. And you have, uh, I mean, pretty much what, a blue-collar type family? Is that fair to say? Kind of like uh, KK? Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's, I'd say that's a fair assumption or a fair statement to say for sure. Yeah, they've, they've worked uh, their uh, pretty much their entire adult life. Still to this day, they're going in. My dad's working crazy hours. He's like 12 hours a day, so... My mom's not too far behind them, so they they definitely get their work in. Then they come home to a couple crazy dogs, so they're they're keeping busy. And obviously, you are as well. You mentioned, you know, not obviously uh, being being happy for Nate. What was the group reaction when he got the call up? Because he also is somewhat of an unheralded story. I mean, you're talking about a 13th round pick who, in the last two years, has kind of exploded on the scene. It was it was crazy, um, awesome, just. Almost unexplainable feeling, just because I've, I've kind of grown grown up through the pro rankings with him. We played in Bowling Green together, a little bit of time in Charlotte together, and then obviously we were in AA last year in Montgomery for a decent amount of time. So kind of just getting close with him, both on and off the field, uh, him and his family. It's, um, you know, when Brady announced that uh, that decision at the airport, I mean, everybody was trying to get their handshakes and hugs with him. So I, I kind of stayed back a little bit, but once everybody kind of settled down and he talked to his family and gave them the call, man, I just I went over to him and I gave him a huge hug, told him how proud I am of him, 
I told him I told him not to come back. I told him to come stay up there, man. I told him, you know, it, it was it was a great experience. Um, I'm happy for him. It's a huge opportunity, and he deserves it. He deserves it. He uh, obviously had a breakout year last year, and he he started off hot this year. So I'm happy for him. Uh, couldn't have happened to a better person. Well, I know there are a lot of good people on that Durham team that also are playing very well, and hopefully you're not too far behind, and we're someday soon talking about your big league debut. I certainly appreciate a few minutes on this week in Rays baseball and continued success with the Bulls. I appreciate it. No, thanks for the call. And that's Mike Brasso with Durham, currently an 872 OPS among the unheralded players in the system. Not top 30 ranked because the system is so deep, but definitely someone you could see in the future in a big league uniform. Now, in the Rays' future, this homestand is the NL West with meetings with Arizona and the Dodgers sandwiched around the Yankees. And who better to talk about the NL West than Diamondbacks voice Mike Farron, who also, of course, is with SiriusXM. Mike, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure, Neil. Good to talk to you. You guys are off to a, a pretty darn good start, so let's start with your club. What has surprised you most about your team when you consider the fact that you guys uh, lost A.J. Pollock, Paul Goldschmidt uh, to trade, Pollock to free agency along with Patrick Corbin, and then lost Steven Souza Jr. for the year? 100% it's been the offense. And, and not just the loss of Souza from the projected roster, but also Jake Lamb has only played in a handful of games who was expected to be the, the everyday first baseman or most everyday first baseman. It's been unbelievable how well this team has played offensively. You know, they built a lineup that doesn't strike out as much as maybe last year's team did. I think they're in the, I haven't looked today, but I want to say they're in the top 10 in terms of lowest strikeout percentage among teams. And I think that that's played a factor in it. Um, they have a lot of professionals uh, in the lineup. There's not anybody necessarily in there that wows you, although Adam Jones is having an exceptional year and Christian Walker's off to a great start. Um, and David Peralta, I think, is, is still an underrated uh, offensive player. But, you know, add in guys like Eduardo Escobar to that mix, and uh, Cattell Marte is swinging that extremely well, and it's really been surprising. I, mean, I figured this team was going to pitch pretty well and that the bullpen might have been a little bit underrated, but the offense has really been the number one surprise overall. How much has Adam Jones meant to this group, just in terms of the veteran uh, aspect of it? Because, you know, he was a late last addition. He couldn't find a job, and now he's getting to play every day, and he's performing. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you I know you know this, being around clubhouses, that, you know, we in the media have a tendency to label important clubhouse guys an awful lot and we probably missed the mark on most of those there's really only maybe five to ten guys in baseball at a given time that have that significant impact on their workforce adam jones is one of those guys and i think he has had a just in terms of accountability confidence energy intelligence everything that that you saw in watching the Rays compete against Adam Jones for his entire mm -hmm. career um, up to this point um, has been absolutely true here in, with the Diamondbacks. And uh, his impact on and off the field has been enormous. Um, and he's just a joy to watch play. I mean, I thought, you know, I lived in Baltimore for a number of years and lived in D.C., and I, I was always a great admirer of Adam Jones. I've always enjoyed covering him because he's extremely honest and extremely bright. But, man, the presence he brings on a daily basis to that club and the confidence that he has, the energy and all of it has been really impressive. And you obviously have you pitched extremely well. I mean, the, the Zach Ranke performance that he had against New York uh, stands out, but he's not the only guy. I mean, you guys have some pretty good depth in, in your rotation and your bullpen. 
Yeah, it's been it, it's been very good. Robbie Ray has pitched well uh, of late Friday night, and he gets charged with five runs, but but really it was two errors that opened up an inning, and nothing hit hard against Colorado offense that was really performing well coming into that game. And, and you know, listen, their run total <laughs> nine runs on that night. Steinbeck still won, but you know that Robbie Ray has been very good. He has been um, in the strike zone a lot more consistently than he has been. Um, he was at times last year, and I think that's been a big positive. And I think his slider has improved every start. And uh, Friday it was excellent. Um, uh, Luke Weaver has been very good. Um, he's had a couple of uneven starts, but I think that's to be expected still with a young pitcher. But he certainly has the pitch mix that's um, you know that that gives you hope that he could be a really solid major league starter. And you know, the former Rays prospect Merrill Kelly has accounted himself quite well. You know, he was a guy that. Um, you know, when he got passed over for the 40-man, went to Korea and pitched for four years and, you know, three times was in the top ten and earned run average in KBO, which is no small feat because no. that's a very hitter-friendly league. And uh, Merrill has come back and pitched extremely well as a fifth guy, and I know he's excited to make the start, um, you know, on Monday in in St. Petersburg, too, against his former organization. So um, you're right. It, it has been a very, very good staff to this point for the most part. They had a little hiccup with Zach Godley. Um, but I do think that that you know overall the starters are are still the strength of this team. So what do you make then of the West? I mean, most people going into the year are looking at the Dodgers as they've been to the last two World Series. There there is a distance between themselves and the rest of the pack. Colorado started really slow. They're starting to kind of inch their way toward the 500 mark. Arizona and San Diego maybe have been what a little bit better than you would have anticipated. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a fair way to look at it. I mean, I think Colorado's start is the most surprising part of, of where things are in the division right now. And, um, you know, they, they have a very good rotation. I know the instant thought with the Rockies is to look at the run score total. And really, I, I think that they are a much better pitching team than they are an offensive team. You know, they play in a, in a very offensive environment that helps them. But, you know, the Dodgers are still the class of the division. I mean, it's a good offense. They're extremely patient. Uh, they have a ton of depth, both offensively and on the pitching side. Uh, they can withstand injuries like they've just you know, suffered to A.J. Pollock because they have such quality depth. Um, and everybody else is trying to catch them. And I think, you know, I think it's fair to say the Diamondbacks have been a surprise to this point this season. Um, they've played extremely well. Um, and hopefully that continues because they have had a really difficult first um, you know, six weeks of the season in terms of the quality of competition that they've played. Um, and San Diego, you know, they, they've gotten good work out of their starters, although they've gone short as a group and they're very young. I mean, that's a much better offensive team with Machado and Tatis on the left side of the infield. And, um, so it, it's made for a fun division, but I do think that there's still a little bit of a gap in, in the end between Los Angeles and everybody else. It's just a matter of seeing, you know, whether or not it can be made up on the field, especially in the head-to-head matchups. You know, the, the balance of that division maybe isn't uh, as, is at least on paper, as strong as, let's say, the Central or uh, the East is it possible for a wild card to come out of the division just because they may not beat up on each other as much as, let's say, the other divisions? Well, I mean, I think it's, I think it's yeah, it's possible. But, I, I mean, I think it's, I don't know that it's any less deep than the East is in that, you know, I think that there's four pretty good teams in the West, um, just like there's four pretty good teams in the East, and then there's Miami at the bottom and San Francisco at the bottom. And I mm-hmm. think, in fact, I think San Francisco is probably a more competitive team than Miami is. So, uh, I'm not sure that necessarily. I mean, how many times do we feel like we say that, right? You know, oh, this, this team is, or this division is weak enough that the you know the second best team should be able to come out of it, and it rarely ends up happening that way. Um, I just look at the National League as being pretty balanced. I mean, there's, there's, I do think that the Dodgers and maybe the Cubs 
are at the forefront of the division, and there's kind of everybody else in the middle, and it's it's very similar to where the American League was, uh, I'd say five years ago or so, where you felt like there were 12 or 13 teams that legitimately had a chance to make the postseason before several of them in the Central started to rebuild, and that's kind of the way it is in the National League. Most everybody's coming out of their rebuild phase, Cincinnati, um, you know, just despite a, a crazy loss on Friday night, they have pitched extremely well, and they're just waiting for their offense to get going. They've actually, they actually have outscored their opponents to this point this season. Um, and so, like, it, it's, a, it's a really balanced league, I think, and I think that makes things exciting as it gets to summer because there will be a number of teams that are within spitting distance of a postseason berth. Should be interesting to see how that plays out and be interesting to get a look at the NOS this week. Uh, Mike Farron, always appreciate the time, and thanks for a few minutes on this week in uh, race baseball. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure as always, and I can't wait to get to St. Petersburg. I'm really looking forward to seeing that race team in person. And that is Mike Farron of the Diamondbacks and Sirius XM. Special thanks to him and all the guests on the program today, including outfielder Austin Meadows, Mark Topkin and the Tampa Bay Times, Ronaldo Ruiz of Bowling Green, and Durham's Mike Brasso. You know, next Sunday, week from today, the Rays Wise are teaming up with Feeding Tampa Bay to Fight Child Hunger. Fans who donate easy-to-prepare breakfast items at the Gate 1 Rotunda or Community Corner near Section 108 receive a ticket voucher valid for two lower corner tickets. Go to racebaseball.com slash wives for more info. If you ever have something you want to hear on the program, tweet me at Neil Solons. Next week, Mother's Day memories and a sit-down with Charlie Morton, plus much more. Thanks to my producer, Derek DeBose. I'm Neil Solons, getting set for the Rays and Orioles. The pregame show is next. This is the Race Baseball Network.